You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Hey guys, it's the Queens. Hey, so on this episode, we're going to do a flashback to one of the Queens in honor of Black History Month. We are going to cover Daisy Bates. Super excited for y'all to hear about her. Civil rights activist did a whole lot behind the scenes that, and not a very well-known name either. So this is an episode from our Patreon vault, February of 2020. So I just feel like that's worth mentioning that this was, this was before George Floyd's murder. This was, you know, before the riots that followed that and everything. And I just think that's kind of worth noting because we do go a little bit into police brutality. It just seems weird that we didn't mention him. So I felt like we should just say that up top. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. Yeah. Cheers, bitches. Hello, Nathan. Hey, Katie. How's it going? Pretty good. How's your day been? It's been a psychotic week. Yeah. And that is that is to be an understatement. Yes. Is Mercury in retrograde? I just assume Mercury is in retrograde somewhere at all times, right? <laughs> sure. Kind of like it's five o'clock somewhere? Yeah, yeah. It's Mercury in retrograde somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> all right. So special Patreon listeners, yes. we are here to chat about, for any of our listeners that aren't in the US, I don't know if February is Black History Month. In any other country, in Australia or Canada or the UK, maybe Canada, I don't know. Here in the States, February is Black History Month, so we are talking about a civil rights soldier today. Yes, ma'am. And I wanted to pick somebody that wasn't necessarily very well known. Yeah. Like a Sojourner Truth or a Harriet Tubman or, you know, somebody like that. Somebody that was in the fight in the 50s and 60s trying to live her best life and make everything better for everybody of her color. Yeah. And so we landed on a woman named Daisy Bates. Daisy Bates was born on November 11th, 1914 in Hudig, Arkansas. She was born and raised in Arkansas by Orly and Susie Smith. Orly. Orly. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Very Very old school. Yeah. Yeah, she was born in 1914, so he was like in the 1800s. Yeah. So yeah, that's a real old name. In case you didn't know and you're not from the States, Arkansas is from the South. And the South really doesn't like black people at the time. Yeah. So she was raised in a pretty segregated Southern town. Yeah, I guess there needs to be... I mean, I'm sure you've all seen enough movies and stuff, even if you're not Mm -hmm. from the U.S. But I guess there just... There used to be slavery in the United States. Yeah. Black people were slaves, and then after slavery ended, because if you're talking about somebody born in 1914, well, the people raising her were probably born, 
like right after slavery ended. Like there were still people alive then. Yeah. That were remembered slavery. How it was like, yeah. Yeah. And so blacks and whites were highly segregated. Yes. Which now we know is not cash money. No, it is super not cash it's money. Super not cash money. We do not recommend it. At all. Yeah, not endorsed by Queen's Podcast. Oh, and by the way, quick disclaimer. There's going to be some times in this episode where I have to say blank because it's a very mean word that's racist. Is it? And I refuse. It's uh, There's a slew of them. Okay. So I don't even... I imagine Nathan pretty much wrote this one because my week was just bananas, but... I imagine it starts with an N. And there's one that starts with a C, and there's one that All starts right. with... There's a there's a lot of them So in we're just going to say blank, or we could just pick an adorable word. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> say fluffy clouds? <laughs> yeah, something less horrible. Yeah. So there's going to be some of that because I refuse to utter those fucking words in my say Tanya house. Harding. There you go. Yeah. Back in the South, it was very segregated. Main Street in this town that she grew up in was literally separated... Down the middle of Main Street, you had one side that was all white buildings, and guess who lived there? Shut up. The white people. And then on the right side, or the other side of the road, it was buildings painted in red. And that symbolized, like, it's not only, it's not just symbolism, it's like real life. That yeah. was like a quote-unquote colored person's business. And so they literally, <laughs> like, painted the buildings to make you aware of what color of their skin there was. They were. Yeah. Excuse me. So her dad worked at a sawmill. He shopped at stores that were supported by the sawmill. Lived in homes that were owned by the sawmill. So literally worked every fucking day to give all his money back to the sawmill that he worked at. So it's literally still slavery. Like if you really think about it, you're working to pay off things that are owned by the people that you work for. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. So he was noted by Daisy to be like a very kind, gentle, loving man and very empathetic towards her. And her mother, Susie, was mm, the epitome of like that Southern Christian woman, super devout, super strict, very like by the book, not afraid to spank your ass from time to time. Probably wore a big hat to church. Yes. Yes. Yes, queen. Yes. Yes. So Daisy's education would have been in one of the segregated schools in Huddock. Obviously, in the black schools, everything was way more run down. The education yeah. was not as good. The books were probably out of date. Bitch, I read some things that said that some students, because it was segregated, they would have to drive 30 to 40 miles yeah. just to go to another school. Yeah. So, like, tragic to think about yeah. that. Like, you would have to travel... You know, to school hours at the time just to get to fucking school. Oh, that's bananas. So, and probably didn't have cars. No, no cars. And in the 1920s, it's not like everybody Yeah, you'd have car. to take a public bus to go all the way over here. And then anyway, there's one story where Daisy really remembers because, by the way, a lot of this research is done from her autobiography. Mm-hmm. So the, this is like the words from the horse's mouth, which yeah. makes me like go... I wish so so many of our other queens could have written autobiographies. I know. Because we would really know the fucking truth. I know. Um, Anyway, so Daisy remembers that at age seven, her mom sends her to the market to go get some pork chops. And Daisy remembers, you know, getting to the butcher shop and then these old white guys get there and she lets them in front of her because she knows old white men, they go in front of me. I'm in trouble if I don't let them go. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's totally fine with it. And then this little white girl that's about her age comes and starts talking with her. And the fat old guys end up leaving. And then Daisy goes up to the butcher and is like, I need some pork chops. 
And then the fucking butcher says the meanest shit that I'm not going to repeat again. These are words that I'm not going to say, but he basically tells her black people don't get served before white people. Doesn't matter that she's a little kid. She's still a white girl. She goes in front of you. And Daisy ran home and cried to her mother because she was like, I don't get it. Like, I let the older people in front of me. I let my elders go. Yeah. Why why is it that this little girl and her her mom at this point really... You're trying to explain something like that to a child. And that's what what she remembers. You're like, honey, people are assholes. Yep. And that's the first time that she was... Like, remembers racism. Yeah, somebody yeah. vividly told her everything about, okay, this is a black person's place in Southern society. This is what you have to do Ugh. to not get beat up. And the butcher ended up giving her, like, the nastiest piece of pork chop ever. Like, not only did he tell her some nasty shit, he gave her, like, the worst cut of meat, the worst anything okay. that you could ever get. So, poor darling. Poor darling. So... Daisy one day is playing with her neighborhood friends and one of whom was a little white girl. So it was really interesting for me to see that she would hang out with these white girls and play with, you know, white girls. And so Eleanor Roosevelt, this is sidetracked, but Eleanor Roosevelt wrote the foreword to this. Mm -hmm. And she really encapsulated the book by saying, children don't know racism until their parents teach them Mm -hmm. racism. And it's like, it's true. Children are always like, oh, they're my friend. They're my friend. And then your mom or dad is like, they're black. You can't hang out with them. And the child and becomes like, racist. Oh, yeah. And so it's really, that really struck a chord with me how she was, she was always friends with this white kid. And luckily the white kid's parents were cool with it. Yeah. But one day whenever she was playing with the, some of the neighborhood friends, <clears throat> one of these little fucking dick ass boys is like, dick ass, dick ass. He said, you would be, you wouldn't be so uppity if you know who your real mom was. And Daisy was like, my real mom? She's at home, bitch. Yeah. And this little boy brat then says, you know, the mom that those white guys killed. And she, her brain just exploded. Just, yeah. She, she went numb. So I think as a child, either you run home crying and going, this guy told me this. Daisy... She always knew that she looked different than her parents. Mm-hmm. She always knew that she was a little bit not... She knew something was... She knew something was... So when she went home, she was just completely numb. Yeah. And she didn't say anything. And her parents were like, oh, fuck, something's up. Is she sick? And she just she just refused to talk to them. And eventually... Orly, her dad at the time, well, her dad. The person that she knew as her father. He ends up taking her on a long walk in the woods and tells her this story and says, Daisy, you're only a few months old and your mom, whose name was Millie Riley, got a knock on the door by three white guys. And these three white guys said, your husband's been hurt in a, a work accident. You need to come quickly. Her dad, her real father's name was Hezekiah Getson. They convinced her that, like her mom, that he had been hurt in an accident. So, of course, as a wife, you're like, okay, I'm going to yeah, go run go. to fucking get, get my husband. And knocked on my door and was like, your husband's been hurt. I probably wouldn't stop to be like, wait, how do you know him? Who? It'd be like, oh, fuck, let me get my keys. And that's exactly what happened. And she went out there. And then immediately those three white guys beat her, raped her, and then threw her in a pond to drown. Murdered her in cold blood. And guess what? The cops didn't do shit about it. Surprise! We live in racist fucking South. And this was really a defining moment for Daisy because she was determined at this point at seven fucking years old. She was like, I'm going to hunt these motherfuckers down and I'm going to kill them myself. Like she was 
sassafras, bitch. So hate is kind of an understatement. She was like fucking livid. It's kind of like Kill Bill. Yes, exactly. She is the bride in Kill Bill. So even at this young age, Daisy takes her anger out into the public square. So there's this creepy guy that like sits at the local store and he's always like staring her down because he's like kind of lusting after her. Gross. Disgusting. Yeah. And she will literally stare right back in his fucking eyes and, like, not lop. Come like, at me. She's like, come at me, motherfucker. And this guy would always get scared and, like, look away and, <laughs> you know, be like, oh, my God. And so Daisy took to calling him the drunken pig. And I've she- been called this drunken pig. <laughs> Happens on a Saturday night. That's what happens when I go to vacation, like when I was at a resort in Mexico. (laughs) The drunken pig. Did you really need another one, drunken pig? What? (laughs) (laughs) So Daisy ends up finding out that this drunken pig is rumored to actually be one of the guys that killed her mom. And so naturally, every day, Daisy like plays tricks on him and torments him. And I don't blame her. No. I would fucking rip Mm. him to shreds. Mm. And she does. One day, Daisy's dad meets an insurance agent, another black guy, who was selling them like a family policy. Daisy was 15 years old and she fell in love with this dude who is 25. It was a different time. Yes, very different time, but still kind of gross. Yeah. She recalls holding his hand during a movie, and that's the moment that she knew that she fell in love with him. It was a simpler time. Yes. Where a 25-year-old could date a 15-year-old. That was so weird. It kind of reminds me, my great-grandmother, because she was like a very hopeless romantic, and she met my great-grandfather. It was like a similar kind of thing. Like, he was a lot, she was a teenager, and he was a lot older, and he would just like come and sit in their parlor every evening after work. <laughs> that sounds about right. That yeah. sounds about right. So he he was sitting in her parlor yeah. every evening after Not work. a euphemism for anything. <laughs> no, no. And his name... In your parlor. Oh, God. <laughs> so this guy's name was L.C. Bates. And he majored in journalism and worked for a newspaper called the Kansas City Call. My great-grandfather's name was R.L. Bates. Crazy. <laughs> they like to go by, a, like, the initials. Yeah. For some reason. It made them seem... It was seem, like Ralph like, Luther or something like that. Made them seem, like, so hardcore. And, you know, Kansas City is in Missouri, not in fucking Kansas. But at the time, the Depression hit whenever he was in journalism, so he had to resort to selling insurance. Obviously, Daisy and Elsie didn't really tell Orly, her adopted father, that they kind of had the hots for each other. Yeah. Because Daddy probably wouldn't have been cool with it. Because, again, it is the old-timey self, and guns were a big thing. Blazing. <laughs> Everybody loved their guns, and they loved shooting people, holding hands with their daughters in the movie theater. Yeah, so they kept it quiet, and they knew they had to keep it keep quiet. Fuck out of her parlor. Exactly. <laughs> Stay out of her parlor. Yeah. <laughs> they knew that they were going to have to keep it a secret as long as he lived. And so one day in her late teens, she's, I think she was like 17 or 18, I think 17, her father like got really fucking sick. And on his deathbed, he told Daisy this quote that really stuck with her for the rest of her life. And I really love it. Mm-hmm. The quote is, you're filled with hatred. Hate can destroy you, Daisy. Don't hate white people just because they're white. If you hate, make it count for something. Hate the humiliations we are living under in the South. Hate the discrimination that eats away at the soul of every black man and woman. Hate the insults hurled at us by white scum and then try to do something about it or your hate won't spell a thing. 
Good advice. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Hello everyone, Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. So after Daisy's dad's death, Elsie asked her to marry him because they're like, okay, we can do this now. This is fine because I wouldn't get shot by daddy. <laughs> Sounds like he's at the funeral dropping down to one knee. <laughs> <laughs> kind of awkward. Read the room, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so after they got married, they ended up settling in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And Elsie was determined to go back into journalism. The economy was kind of on the up and up. So Is Little Rock the capital of Arkansas? I think so, yes. Okay. And they ended up leasing an old church newspaper plant, and then they renamed it the Arkansas State Press. And they decided that this paper would focus on the fight for black rights. Nice. And it was pretty fucking successful for like a civil rights newspaper in the deep south and they really started gaining advertisers they focused mainly their stories mainly on police brutality because bitch back in the day was fucking rampant i know they got away white people could murder black people and get away with it i mean someone police brutality just a couple of years ago a guy was shot just sitting in the front seat of his car a black guy with a and child in a car seat in the back. And that's what, seat. like, gives me, like, goosebumps is, like, this sh- still happening. it's still happening. At least some people are getting held accountable for it now. And I feel like maybe, you know, they're starting to make strides for it. But stuff like that makes me so mad. I know. It's still happening. But back in the day, it was happening way more Oh, yeah. Back in the day, there was no accountability. Back in the day, there was no internet. Yeah. Uh, so it could just happen all day, all night, and the oppressed people couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And so what I think really kind of turned the tides in this civil, like, because before this, during this time, civil rights wasn't really a thing. But what I think happened is World War II happened. And what happened was is a lot of black men went overseas and fought in World War II. And so they were saying, bitch... I fought for your freedom. Yeah. Give me mine. And also, I bet <clears throat> a lot of people that were men were, were probably racist at the beginning of World War II, went over there and fought alongside of black people. Mm-hmm. And were like, oh, wait. 
oh no, you're we're the same. We're the same exact person. At least I'd hope that that's what would happen. Yeah. So World War II broke out mm-hmm. and a local army camp reopened to house soldiers of color. Uh, one day, a cop openly shoots a black man named Thomas P. Foster, my namesake. And he was a soldier. Like he had fighting in the fucking war and a cop just goes and is like, bam, I hate yeah. you. You're black. Daisy literally is like, all right, I'm all in. Yeah. She goes in and she just starts covering the fuck out of this story she's taking pictures she's writing all about it and she printed in her paper and just wanted knew that that was her calling this is a soldier this is a soldier this cop just shot for no fucking reason and she knows that her only way to affect change is through the power of the pen and so this ended up sending shockwaves through the community even white business owners were fucking pissed because they were like, man, this sends a bad reputation out to the fucking public. Yeah. People aren't going to want to visit here because they know that if you're black, you're just going to get openly shot and yeah. nobody gives a fuck about it. Let's also assume some people didn't just care about it because of business. Let's assume there were some people that were like cared about it because it was a man that was killed. But no, and that- but there were, yeah, but there probably were a lot of people that were just like, this is bad PR. Yeah, exactly. That was, you know, half of the white population would say that and the other half would yeah. be like, shit, that was really horrible that they did that. Um, So, like I was saying, Daisy mercilessly covers this fucking story Good. left and right. <laughs> and they end up losing a lot of advertisers because of it. They don't want the controversy. Yeah, they don't want the controversy and they're like if we associate ourselves with your newspaper then we're gonna lose sales and daisy and elsie gave literally two fucks they were like i don't give a fuck we're gonna continue to push this agenda we're gonna continue to do it because the african-american community needs a fucking voice yes so they ended up gaining more advertisers from local mom and pop shops like even some black businesses would end up contributing to them and helping to fund the newspaper. So there were other stories that she covered during World War II. At one point, all the black soldiers, after the war's over, they return home. And they kind of feel like, bitch, this is my country too, so yeah. I deserve some rights. Yeah. So some soldiers marched on the courthouse in Burning- Birmingham, Alabama. Was World War One the first big war since the Civil War that, the, yes. that America was involved in? Yes. So the Civil War, I was like, well, we were fighting because we kind of had to. And so this was the first one where they were like, no, we're fighting alongside you. Yeah. We, we, this is our country too, sons of bitches. Exactly. And so these black soldiers are marching on the courthouse in Birmingham saying, bitch, I deserve the right to vote. Bitch, better have my vote. And guess what? They were turned down because it's the racist South. Um, and the excuse was because... Black people didn't know how to read, so they don't know how to interpret the Constitution. Interpret the Constitution? Barf. One. Barf. One, they they literally run a newspaper. <laughs> right. That can read. Two. They just are willing to give their lives for and, America. But also, back then... There were lots of, there was lots of white people that didn't know how to read either. Yeah. I mean, it's a different time now. Now, if someone doesn't know how to read, it's more rare. That makes me so mad. Yeah, it's it's fucking ridiculous. But Daisy covered that shit again over and over and over like, bitch, no, this is wrong. Another story that she covered was there was a black, so this one like really got me. Uh There was a black soldier who was discharged, just got out of the war, caught a bus. They stopped at the Bucky's. And uh, <laughs> gas station. Bucky's, please, please sponsor our show. And then, yeah, right. And this soldier, this black soldier, literally is like, "Hey, I gotta go pee." And the driver's like, "No, you're not fucking peeing." And he's like, 
dude, I just got back from the war and fucking had to almost got shot a billion times and you're not going to let me go take a piss? And then the driver's like, all right, all right, all right. Go fucking take a piss. Whatever. So they, he takes a pee, comes back on, they drive to South Carolina, and right whenever he gets off the bus, the cops fucking arrest him. For? For causing a disturbance. Was it segregated bathrooms? Is that why? No. They just didn't want to let him Because he the- was yelling, no, they, they arrest him because he was yelling at the white guy. <sighs> Early. So they took him to jail. They beat him until he was blind. Oh my god. They beat his eyeballs out. Like, they, like, horrible shit, like... uh, Just, I don't need the details, but that's so sad. But guess what? Daisy published that shit. She was like, I'm not let, I'm not gonna let that slide under the Mm -hmm. fucking radar. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna let everybody know what's going on in the South. Good. So Daisy and Elsie, at this point, after they're publishing all these stories... They end up getting recognition, and they become members of the NAACP. Nice. So, so much so that one of the local leaders ends up asking her, personally, not Elsie, her, to head the state conference of NAACP branches. So she's basically heading, you know, all of the gatherings of the NAACP. people not in the United States, what what does the NAACP stand for the national association for the advancement of colored people yeah it's it's kind we of should, lost we its... should definitely change i mean people know name recognition we know the naacp but daisy ends up obviously accepting this honor to work for the naacp as like one of the lead people and That's awesome she would have known thurgood marshall maybe you've heard of him if you haven't read up about him he's the first black supreme court justice of the united states kind of a big deal yeah and he was the guy that would bring up all these lawsuits about segregations in schools. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've heard of this case, Brown versus the Board of Education. If you're from America, yeah, you should not, know that. If you're from America and paid attention even in the slightest in school, you've you, heard of Brown versus Board of you Education. You should know that. So literally that said that the segregation of schools was unconstitutional. And quickly after that ruling, a number of schools announced that they would start allowing black students to attend. Namely, schools in the North at the time were like, all right, come on, black people. We love what you. What year? It was 1952 to 1954. That they were actually they, Because lawsuits take a long time to yeah. like, get through the system. Okay. So the ruling was in 1954. Okay. The official ruling. So at that time... There was, in Arkansas, an election taking place for governor. Mm -hmm. Governor. Governor. The current governor was, (laughs) he was totally cool with this integration shit. He was like, yeah, I'm down. Well, guess what? There's also a douche canoe who's running against the existing governor. And his name is Orville Eugene Faubus. No. (laughs) I reject that name. (laughs) No, it's so fucking pretentious. No, it is the most Orville... Eugene Fulber. Like, Governor. I'm just imagining him and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and like his seersucker holding like a mint julep. Yeah, no, that, that, and he's fat. And, he's, yeah, he's like, he's, he's, he's overly yes. large and he's very sweaty and nasty. So yes. it's literally that. Because they did not have air conditioning back then. Nope. Could you imagine the BO? Anyway. He claimed that integrating the schools might might hurt the relations between the black and the white people. How? Bitch, the last hundred years that you've been treating them like slaves have hurt the black and How? white people. How would putting them... Together hurt... Their relations, it would make their relations... Okay. Yeah, exactly. So guess who fucking won the fucking governor race? Orville Eugene Falbus. 
Big Daddy. What did they call it? Big Daddy from Big Cat and Hot Tin Oh my god, that is, he That's is Big Daddy. Big Daddy. So, much to fucking Fabus's dismay, most wow. of the schools were already starting to integrate. And surprise, fucking surprise, the students were getting along with each other. Oh my god. Because children don't know to be racist until you racist assholes tell them to be racist. Exactly. So, on August 3rd, 1955, after, you know, this is well after the ruling happened, in Arkansas, a bunch of racist white assholes threw this big-ass temper tantrum in a town called Hoxie and adopted this resolution that said, nope, we're Arkansas. We're still going to be segregated. Fuck you, federal government. And they literally said, all white people, take your children out of schools. You are not going to go to school with any black people, so your children are not going to attend schools. Of course, the the kids are like, yay! Kids don't (laughs) understand that this is deeply rooted in hate. They're just like... Snow day. Well, <laughs> it's Arkansas, so not snow day. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, it's snow day. I don't know what they have in Arkansas. <laughs> so, well, luckily, the Hoxie school board was like, "Nah, bitch. This is that. kind of a law." Truancy. <laughs> <laughs> There's this thing called the Supreme Court of the United States, yes. and we kind of have to abide by their rules. So, we're gonna start trying to integrate. Yeah. In the deep south, across the board. These school boards and school systems would kick the can down the road and say, let's just give it some more time to integrate. Yeah. Maybe open this one school up and let one black person in. It's slow like molasses. Exactly. <laughs> so Orville Redenbacher, <laughs> a.k.a. Governor Orville Rafalbus. Governor Big Daddy. Governor Big Daddy. <laughs> he literally goes to the fucking legislator and introduces four pro-segregation bills to the session in 1957. One bill said that integrating schools was a state right, which reminds me of the gay marriage argument where they were like, it's a state right. We deserve the right to say that gays shouldn't get married. It's like, no, equality is equality. Yeah. Period. (laughs) You don't get to say it's a state right to be a bigot. (laughs) Another bill said that said that white kids weren't required to attend school. So again, they could withdraw from school and not have to go. Another bill literally targets the NAACP. So I have a problem with that flawed logic of, okay, these people couldn't vote because they couldn't read, but white kids are not required to go to school. So they don't have to learn to read. (laughs) It's just like mind blowing, like how ignorant. will come up with just a myriad of nonsense. And that's what you learn with racism, bigotry, homophobia. It's all rooted in stupidity. Or fear. Or fear. Both. Yeah. Like it's ignorant fear. But anyway, another bill literally targets the NAACP and requires that all the expenses and the names of the staff to be published. So, of course, what that does is it enables the KKK to come after you because they know your name and they know where you live. And the KKK back then was trouble. Whoa. We'll we'll get to that later. Bookmark. Bookmark. Yeah. Well, we're talking about civil rights, girl. That's true. Hashtag white guilt. (laughs) I have all of it. Oh, my God. This whole time I was reading this book, I was like, oh, my God, this sucks. (laughs) Feels so bad. We are white people from the South. Yeah. So the last and final bill that Governor Orville Falbus decided (laughs) to enact was to 
have schools fund to hire lawyers to sue to have integration not go through. So basically, he, there's like, okay, school boards, you can hire lawyers now so that you don't have to integrate. So Daisy's fucking pissed. Yeah. She is, again, her pen is her sword. She's fucking writing all about this injustice in her papers, spreading all the news around, demanding that they have a public hearing about these legislative things that Fabus decided to do. She's like, no, you need to talk about this to your fucking public. So ends up, she gets like 900 citizens, which is a lot in Little Rock at the time. For grassroots. Grassroots. Yeah. Minority group. Yeah. That's a huge thing. And guess what? It's not just black people. Of course not. It's white people. It's. It's church organizers, labor unions, synagogue leaders. It is so important for people who are allies of minority groups or groups that are attacked, not just to say you're an ally on paper, to be an ally. Because if it was just a group of black people, they could have been completely abused. But if there's white people in the group, too, Mm -hmm. as sad as it is, back then they're going to get more... They so, would get kicked and beat. Like, so, they would... So, I mean... so box and I'm not stepping down. No, but it's so true. Be like, an ally in action, not just on the internet. It, preach. Yes. Because that was Daisy's fucking message. So, all of these people were saying, you know, this violates God's law. God is doesn't see color. He doesn't yeah. see this. Someone even so far to say what they were doing to be racist was communist and fascist and... But these four bills ended up still getting passed because it's like Republican Deep South or, well, at the time, let's be real, it's Democrat. At the time, Democrats and Republicans were different than what we think of Democrats. Yeah. And that's why when people are like, like, oh, Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. It's like, okay, the parties were different. Not what they are now. Yeah. It was the civil rights. This whole civil rights movement is what divided yeah. what we now know is the Republican and the Democratic Party. Um, do we get to JFK? Does he come up? No, okay, he doesn't. But we, we do get to some of that a little okay. later. Daisy continued to fight for her fucking integration because she is a fucking warrior bitch. Good. And like I said, her weapon of choice is her newspaper. Mm-hmm. And one night, a stone flies through her window and glass is like, Literally, she's, like, standing next to the window, and glass just comes all over. Because guess what? That bill passed about the NAACP having to report shit. Mm -hmm. And there's a rock that says, stone this time, dynamite the next. And she's like, what the fuck? And her husband, he literally, like, turns to her. Elsie is like, sucks that they have bad aim, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they are so true Southern, like, well... You're fine. Yeah. They've got bad aim. They're a bunch of fucking dumbasses. They couldn't do it right. Oh, like, could you imagine living in fear like that every Mm -hmm. fucking day of your life? It gets worse. We'll get to it. I would be like, (laughs) if something like that happened, I'd be like, well, Steve, we have to move. But like, back then, one, that's kind of like the point of saying put and like making change. That's your message. And two, like a lot of people also ask, um. Well, if it was so bad for blacks in the South, why didn't they just move to the North where things were more progressive? They didn't have the money. They didn't have the resources. Moving now is one of the most expensive things. And back then, you couldn't just hire a U-Haul. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's true. You know, it took, You would have like, to be a really you would rich... You leave everything and just start anew. Impossible. And it's like, and it's not like you could just find a job on the internet and yep. do your interview over Skype. You would have to, like, drive back and forth, back and forth. Only way you like, could do that was if you were a, a wealthy family. black lawyer who... Or, like, maybe if you had family that had already kind of established themselves up there. Exactly. And so it's not like... I mean, moving across country is complicated now, but back then... Impossible. It was impossible for most people. Mm -hmm. So you may as well, when you're like, well, if it was so bad for them, why didn't they move? You may as well be like, why didn't they turn into birds and fly far, far away like Jimmy from (laughs) Full Scump, you know? (laughs) So integration was set to occur on September 4th, 1957. And then some bitch who's like mad against like you know mothers against black people like some fucking bitch you can't see it because this is a podcast but i just rolled my eyes so hard i saw my brain yes Yes. she did true story so this bitch claims that the kids are starting gangs at the school and they have guns and they have knives and they're gonna hurt each other and guess who shows up to the trial to testify to back this bitch up? Daisy. No, no. Governor. Governor Falbus. Governor. Governor Big Daddy. And they literally have no fucking evidence. No fucking evidence. Integration ends up being put on hold. The but reporters are listening to them because they're rich white people. Exactly. Yeah. And Daisy reports, reports, reports all of the shit. All the reporters go out to the town and try to find local pawn shops and places that may have sold knives and guns. Nothing. Yeah. This was all a fucking lie put forth by the fucking governor to prevent integration. And so after this happened, all these racist assholes, this like breaks my heart. Like, they were all driving by Daisy's house, and they would honk their horns and be like, Daisy, Daisy, did you hear? Blank words won't be going to Central High School. Like, literally, like, rubbing her face in it. And it's like, what, is, what good does this do to you? Like, do, does it make you feel good to, like, hate other people? It, yeah, people like that. It just makes them go home and, like, high-five their buddies. But luckily... After luckily all this, we aren't people like yeah, that. Yeah, luckily we aren't people like that. And luckily there's federal judges. And the federal judges overruled that state decision and were like, no fucking way. Thanks to Thurgood Marshall, by the way. But the KKK and other racist white groups were preparing for war. Speakers from Louisiana and Mississippi were literally fighting for bloodshed. They wanted a fight. And surprise, Louisiana and Mississippi had a bunch of racist assholes. And they were legit ready to organize and literally fight against integration. Like, guns, fighting, beatings, all of them. And Little Rock, Arkansas was going to be the fucking center of it. So, integration keeps forging forward. And what I found really inspiring is that when all of these, the Supreme Court ruled... The state would open up and say, okay, are there any people that wanted to enroll in these white schools? Mm-hmm. So there would be black kids that would willingly put themselves forward knowing that they're... their parents. No, it was no. them. What I read in, in all of our autobiography is the parents were saying, don't do it. Don't do it because you're going to get beat. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get... No, don't do it. But the kids are like, I don't care. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. It is what needs to be done. And... That just, like, gives me chills because they put themselves in harm's way knowing they were going to do it, but they fought for what was right. So these nine students end up enrolling in Central High School on September 4th, 1957. One of the students' names was Jefferson Thomas. And he, like, stops by Daisy's house, 
and they hear that on the radio that the governor's going to address the citizens of Arkansas. <clears throat> Daisy ends up catching word from another reporter that like the fucking army, the National Guard, was going to start surrounding the high school in full battle gear before they integrated the school, like before they went in. Like to help the kids get in or to stop the kids to from getting in? Because I know in. during JFK's time... It was the other way around. Mm-hmm. The National Guard came to help the kids get in. This was the exact opposite. Does the governor control the National Guard? More on that. No, you're fine. So Daisy, Jefferson, and LC drive to the school while her husband's friends are guarding their home with, like, fucking shotguns. Because they have rocks being thrown through their fucking windows every Saying, day. Saying, next time it's dynamite. Yeah. So all they can do is, like, sit there and wait. What is the governor going to say? This is Why one of the are... few times where I'm like... Yes, arm yourself and stand outside your house. Exactly. No, it's the truth. And so they're just sitting there like, okay, the governor's going to give this speech on the radio. We need to hear what he has to say. So the governor comes on and says, there are white supremacists that are planning to attack the school. So we are going to prohibit any black people coming to Central High School because it's endangering them. So he flipped the script yep. to make it look like he wasn't being a racist asshole. He was being real considerate of all But it was the fucking government lies and pecan pies. <laughs> so he ends up closing down all of the local black schools. Everyone, not just the ones like the white schools being integrated, all of the schools. And he says, because there's going to be attacks there. The white supremacists are going to attack the black schools. Mm. And then to make matters even worse, this is what really clinched it and makes him look guilty, is he utters the word in this address. It's obviously a speech that he's written and says, blood will run in the streets if black pupils try to attend the schools. That's not something a governor should say. They should say hey, this is the right thing to do. We should be pushing forward. And blood will run in the streets. The, the headless horsemen of the apocalypse or whatever. Yeah, exactly. On September 3rd, students began to like start filing into school. And obviously, none of them are black students because the parents are like, don't go to school. Yeah. Don't go to school. Yeah. Don't go to school. You're going to get fucking killed. So Daisy's like, all right, Thurgood Marshall. I'm going to get him on speed dial. Hit him up. HMU. Hit me up, bitch. Dude. So Thurgood, he, my buddy. This is how powerful she was. Yeah. But she was able to call up Thurgood Marshall and he would listen to her. So he works his magic. What he, was his status at this point? He's just a lawyer. A he's civil just, rights he's lawyer. Just a, he's just a really powerful... He's like the Johnny Croft. Cro- I mean, he just, got, he just got Brown v. Board of Education. Yeah. yeah you know? No, yeah. So like, he's like, he's just a lawyer, but I say just a lawyer. But like... He's going to be a Supreme Court justice one day. He's a he's a high profile. Yes. I guess my question was, was he already a judge? No. 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 Okay. He was still a lawyer at the time. So he gets a federal judge to agree to keep these integration plans in place and to tell the school board, no, this is what we have to do. So the superintendent instructed none of the parents of the nine black children to accompany their children. They're like, all right, your children are going to go in by themselves. Katie just crushed her mic claw. Yes. <clears throat> so Against my forehead. So the, he basically, the superintendent says, okay, we're going to let these white kids in, but we don't want the parents to come because the parents are adults and they could get beat and killed and like drug and like it'd be way worse. Yeah. With kids, it's a little people bit different. Might, people are probably going to. They're maybe. innocent. People are less likely to strike out against children. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. So they were said, okay. We're going to let your children attend school on September 4th, 1957. And the parents are like, 
bitch, are you high? Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not letting my kid go. But Daisy, Daisy concocts a motherfucking plan, bitch. She thinks, what if I get some of those ministers that fought for us during that public hearing way mm-hmm. back when, what if I get a couple of those ministers to surround the black students while they try to walk into the school? So yeah. you have white people accompanying the black people. This is are... why it's important to be an ally. Exactly. And it's ministers and priests and like, it's somebody who's well connected with the white community saying, no, and this is respected. God's plan. This is God's plan. This is what's... Nobody's going to kill a priest. If you give that minister a black eye, you're going to be shunned from book club. (laughs) From Bible book club. (laughs) Totally. So the president of the NAACP, whenever Daisy comes up with this plan, is like, oh my God, this is so fucking crazy. It's going to work. Yeah. This is going to work. So they try to like rile up all these ministers and a lot of them said, ah, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. But there were four. There were four that decided to to go along with the plan. And Daisy stays up all night calling the students of these parents saying, okay, we're going to go in. You're going to meet us down on this cross street. We're going to walk in with these ministers. And she gets everybody on board except one student. And this, I think, haunts Daisy for like the rest of her life. Oh, damn. <clears throat> because she she's staying up all night. It's like 5, 6 a.m. in the morning and she's been working all night to get everything on board. But... Daisy, in the morning, hears something on the radio, and it says there's a young colored woman being attacked and mobbed at the school. And Daisy's like, oh my fucking God, I forgot Elizabeth. Her name was Elizabeth Eckford. And she's like, oh my God, I forgot to tell her parents about the plan. Holy shit. And Daisy... So these kid, this kid showed up at the school before they could assemble the formation? Yeah. Before everyone could get in formation. Exactly. Oh. And this poor little girl had no idea. And so she's getting mobbed. She's getting kicked. She's getting yelled at. And Daisy and Elsie, like, they're like, fuck, we have to go. So they rush to go to the place where they were planned to meet the students. <clears throat> and she's like, oh, my God. So how pissed would you be if you were that kid's parents being like, Oh, you told everybody else besides us. Mm-hmm. So Daisy like rushes to the place where they're supposed to meet the ministers. And it's like, okay, the kids are here. The eight kids are here. They're ready to help the students enter the school. We're good. And then she, at the same time, hears on the radio that Elizabeth, the one that was caught up in the mob, was able to free herself from the mob. Okay. And she's like, oh, thank God. Yep. I feel like a giant bitch for doing that. Yep. And Yep, <clears throat> I would too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> The ministers at this point surround the group of eight and they try to approach the schools. And as they're approaching the schools, they're getting shoved and pushed by the mob, kicked. And so guess what's happening though? We can sit here and say that it is horrible. Yeah. But what you're seeing happening around it is you have journalists who are taking pictures. Daisy, who's writing pages and pages documenting it's like, all right go ahead and kick a minister yeah you're, you're kicking the newspaper look at these fucking racist assholes this kicking gonna, these fucking ministers this is gonna be documented for the rest of your life this time that you and the most memorable photos are when they get to the front of the school and they're met with bayonets and guns pointed in their face like ministers with oh. guns pointed in their face and they're said you're turned away by the order of the governor so this like was a direct like Fuck you to Governor Falbus. Talk about going down on the wrong side of history. Yep. 
and there's photos to prove it, and this is probably, that photo sent, again, sent shockwaves through the fucking community, and through the country. I'm looking it up right now, and, like, the girl trying to, like, go into school, and, like, the mob of angry, angry bitches behind her, it's just like, you know, like, don't. Guys, don't be a dick. You're right. <laughs> don't be a dick. We're all going to find out about it. You're going to be on history.com. So let's kind of go to what happened to, to Elizabeth that day. The okay. thing that kind of haunted Daisy for the rest of her life. New York Times editor was there at the time and he remembers the whole thing. He said that when Daisy was trying to enter school, they were like pushing her around. And he ended up standing up for, da- or for Daisy, for Elizabeth and people started threatening his life because they were like, she's just a little girl, let her go to school. And they found out that, or they knew that he was Jewish. So, of course... Wait, who was this? A New York Times editor. Oh, okay. I do have the name somewhere down here, but <clears throat> it's irrelevant. Yeah. There's too many names already. But he ended up standing up for her, and obviously, because they knew he was Jewish, they started yelling at him some racist <sighs> fucking shit. That is ridiculous. And then... We just had World War II. I know! <laughs> we just fought the Nazis and you're doing it again. Stop it! And they started, obviously, yelling profanities at Elizabeth. And get, let's just say that the National Guard did nothing about it. They let them kick them. They let them yell these obscenities at them. Didn't let Elizabeth enter the school. And they even threatened the editor themselves. They ended up threatening him to arrest him because he was inciting a riot. That's because that- the editor was inciting a riot. Not the, not the mob around them. That's so <laughs> frustrating because it's that mob mentality. Mm-hmm. It's like, even though any outsider can look in and go, well, this is bonker pants. You know, like, <laughs> when, know. once you're in that mob mentality, it's just... You do the stupidest things. And it's it's so sad because after that day, Elizabeth went and stayed with Daisy at her house because Daisy just felt like shit. And she remembers hearing Elizabeth like having nightmares and oh. screaming about oh my it. God. I mean, her emotions were just so raw. And I think that really killed Daisy. Nightmares about that one time that I called my teacher mom in the second grade. <laughs> I'm sure this gave her this her nightmares yeah. well into like her old age. Let's just say it's PTSD. Yeah, literally, yeah. literally. Of it is. So eventually, the mayor of Little Rock is like, "All right, we can't have this shit anymore. I'm going to bring the governor to court because we have to do this." And he is basically the mayor is saying, "You can't use the National Guard." To stop school integration. The National Guard, guess what? Works for the federal government. And that's not what they're here for. (laughs) Yeah, they're here to protect people. And the governor and his people are like, okay, he kind of has an argument. So literally in the middle of the court case, the governor and his people try to like gather up their papers and run out. Like, (laughs) they're like, shit, we're wrong. Fuck, gotta go. And the judge is like, uh, uh, uh. they're just like control Z, control Z. <laughs> Literally, like and the judge. For people that only use Apple, you don't get that. For all you Windows users, control Z, control Z. This undo, undo. This didn't happen. And the judge is like, the judge at the court is like, oh fuck, you're not getting out of my fucking courtroom, you fucking asshole. <laughs> thing, it's the fifties. Yeah. <laughs> and then he ends up ordering them. He's like, okay, you can't use the army and the national guard to fucking stop integration. This is a federal law that they're like, this is gonna yeah. happen. So at this point, it's so tense that Arkansas has turned into like a ghost town. 
children aren't playing in the streets, parents aren't going out shopping, nobody's talking to each other because they're afraid of this violence. The governor had just threatened all this violence, and now the National Guard's not there to protect them. So they think that everything's just going to fucking blow up. And I can't blame them. I really can't blame them. And people are like praying to God for peace between everyone. And then other people are praying to God to continue the racist shit. To, like, do that thing that he did in the Bible where he killed all the Jewish people's first sons or whatever. Yeah, like, it's so sick to, like, think how people used religion to further racism. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not what God wanted. Anyway, that's a whole nother soapbox. Those whole texts you can interpret very many ways. And obviously, people have, because history is... So Daisy ends up sending a reminder to all these ministers who are praying to still be racist. She's like, you know what? You need to pray for those nine black kids. Those nine black kids who were tormented, turned away from the school, didn't know what the fuck they were going on. This poor baby girl that's having nightmares. How old are they? They're, they're a range of ages, but they're all in high school. Okay. So they're from ages like 13, 14 to 17. Okay. At the time. So I think Elizabeth was like, 16? 15, 16? I mean, that's still a very, very, very young age to get, yeah, you know, and she's like, publicly shamed. Like, yeah, and she's like, pray for these children. Yes. Don't pray for God to be racist still. And so the superintendent at this point is like, okay, Daisy, get these nine kids at your home and we're going to figure something out. We got to do it. Nice. So the kids all show up at Daisy's home and reporters were like, so Daisy, are you going to send them into the mob again? And Daisy's like, middle fingers up. <laughs> like Ugh. fuck you making her sound like she's the bad guy because she's the one fighting for yeah quality. exactly it's like no it's the mob that's the bad guy yeah. hello and people in the mob were quoting and this is paraphrased if we let those mm, in next those black kids are gonna marry our daughters and it's like oh no if your daughter wants to marry a black guy who gives a fuck <laughs> I mean, that's us coming. Oh, no, seven- they will have beautiful children. <laughs> right? Because mixed-race babies are gorgeous. gorgeous. Like, oh, my God. Like, Ugh. that just kind of... They're going to marry your daughters. That's exactly what happened. Ugh. The local police ended up, after this meeting, they planned this back route into the school that the mob didn't know about to let the kids enter in safely. So it's basically like... They had a VIP entrance. Yes, except it's like where they delivered all the food for the... But it's a VIP entrance. (laughs) It's all about perception. So Daisy was in one of those cars and they gathered the students up and they literally just like... <laughs> and like drive up with all the kids and station wagons and like, okay, go into go. school now. Go. So this mob... Paparazzi. But the mob... Still there. They are fucking relentless. There's just no way to keep these kids there safely. There's no fucking way. They ended up having to sneak them out through a delivery entrance to avoid all the... Like, they tried to get in. They couldn't get in. And it's just ridiculous. So interesting. So, yeah, exactly. So the reporters are asking Daisy, okay, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And Daisy's like, you know what? I'm going to talk to the president of the United States. I'm going to send him a fucking telegram, bitch. Who was the... 1957? Is that what year we're in right now? Yes. It I? was Eisenhower. It was Eisenhower. I believe <laughs> Good it was guess, Eisenhower. Katie. <laughs> yeah. Alexa. Wait. <laughs> Not in my house. So Daisy's like, President of the United States, Eisenhower, you're going to guarantee these people's fucking safety. But all the while, you know, I mean, she says that in public, but the students are still getting mobbed yeah. at that time. And the mob starts taking that to the reporters because they're like, Daisy's one of them. Yeah. And these liberal reporters, we still deal with that today. 
these liberal reporters are trying to change our country. And so the mob <laughs> starts fucking beating the shit out of the reporters. Oh, Jesus. And the reporters are arrested for inciting a riot. Guess what? Fucking racist 1950s, motherfucker. Oh, my God. So basically, you could come out into your front yard and be like, fucking birds on my front lawn. And the cops could be like, you were inciting a riot with the birds. You're <laughs> Not in prison. I mean, the, the reporters are just taking pictures and writing shit down. The mob is the one doing all the fighting. Oh. And they're because... These liberal reporters are trying to report. They're the ones getting in trouble. So disgusting. It's disgusting. So anyway, the everyday Little Rock citizen is like, okay, what the fuck has my town become? Yeah. This is not how it used to be. So obviously at this time, hate crimes are running rampant. Racist teenagers are taking their parents' car, hashtag white privilege, and they're (laughs) driving around and committing hate crimes. Like just literally all the time. Daisy's fucking scared for her life. She's hearing about this. Of course you'd be scared for your life. You're like the figurehead. Exactly. You, you are the Mockingjay. (laughs) And this, and everybody's trying to kill you because it's the Hunger Games. It's, it's so fucking true. So Not a perfect parallel, but you see it. But, but I mean, she's like literally having, her and Elsie are guarding their house day and night because they know they're prime suspects for this mob. So a few cars at the time are driving very slowly and suspiciously by her house. And Elsie, her husband, calls the fucking cops. And the cops end up stopping this this little mob of cars because it was a a bunch of fucking cars. Yeah. They had ammunition and dynamite in their fucking cars ready to blow her up. All because we want our children to all get the same education. Oh my God. What a horrible thing. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, all this barricade of almost, it was almost a hundred fucking cars were all armed with the shit. Oh like, my almost a hundred cars. So it was clear that Daisy and Elsie's lives are in danger. Yeah. Because there's a ton of people that want them dead. So there's a phone call this same night that comes at 2.30 a.m. And a man's voice comes across saying, we didn't get you last night, but we will. And you better not try to put those blanks in our schools. <sighs> Do you, think, do you think I just don't? And like, maybe that's an ivory tower that I live in that I wasn't raised oh, the way that I would ever understand this symbolism. Hate. Ivory tower. Oh fuck! But uh, no, but it's true. Maybe, do, maybe it I is. Love, I do know people that were raised in a way that, like my dad, for instance. Mm-hmm. I. I'm very lucky to have a mother who is very liberal and who has always taught me that the, you know, we're all equal, treat everybody equally. And that's the person I was primarily raised by. My dad was not raised that way, and that's not the way he taught me. And luckily, I've never listened to a word my dad ever fucking said. Preach! Except for he was like, you want some wine? I was like, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed with my dad on. So I'm coming from a place where I've never had to, like, overcome this. But, like, there are so many people that this was ingrained in their head Mm -hmm. from childhood. Like, and I don't want to understand it on, like, an actual level. But I want to understand it on a psychological level. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Do you think... The world's going to end? Like, that's just, like, the worst thing that comes to my mind is, oh, no, I'm going to... 
use the same bathroom as a black person and get the plague. You know, like, what What did you think was going to happen? Why would this be such a horrible thing? But again, maybe that's just because I was raised in a privileged way of having a progressive mother that loved minorities and gay people like yeah and that's the truth like yeah it's so crazy and like when this happened to daisy i mean she's getting cars are getting stopped with dynamite in front of them crazy phone calls there were world war ii veterans that were there with her at the time that said this is fucking worse than fighting the nazis they literally because it's personal because it's not like, yes, it's not like I'm fighting this country. It's, it's somebody like, right down the road from I'm you. I'm fighting you specifically. Yeah, and it's people that live in your same town Ugh. that are right down the road. Ugh. So this mob is still fucking at it, and President Eisenhower ends up authorizing ten thousand National Guardsmen to enforce the integration of the schools. Finally, finally. So when the guards arrive, the adults. Daisy noted this, and this was kind of a very moving point. She said that once they rolled in, all the kids started playing in the streets again. All the parents started going shopping again. Now, they the felt had safe because they were able to go out and, you know, they didn't have to worry about these moms driving around and trying to bomb them. With a bunch of dynamite in their trunk or whatever. Yeah, and then Daisy ended up hearing from the superintendent again at midnight, and he told her, okay, these nine kids, the National Guard just rolled in, they are going to fucking school tomorrow. Fuck them. So Daisy ends up escorting. She was escorted to each home of every single child. And she She says, remembered Elizabeth's family? Yes, she did. Oh. And she's like, okay, y'all are going to school the next day. But what I found funny was every, not funny, that every time she would like knock on somebody's door to be like, your kid's going to school, she'd be met with a shotgun in her face. Well, sure. Because they every, were tormented too. Everyone was a little bit on edge. Yeah. I'm 100% of that. The students were escorted by soldiers into station wagons so that they could attend school that day. <clears throat> and Daisy... And all the parents at the time saw the students walking off and they were crying. They were all crying. Was it fear? Was it seeing a social change? Was it relief that this is all over? Or was it all of the above? I would imagine it would be a mix of all of the above. And also, have you ever just been so stressed out you cry? Yeah. It sounds that would be my, my as a parent guess. as a parent that would that's exactly what I is just think. like so stressed out but then just everything mixed together. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there were plenty of But this time the National Guard was on their side and the mob was dispersed by about 30 soldiers. That's all it took. That's all it took. Like 30 soldiers ended up getting them to back down and the area around the school was secured. And Can then- you imagine if just the police department at the beginning of all this had a fa- had fallen in line with the federal law? So there is there is something interesting about that, that there was a law at the time that policemen couldn't enter into the schools. They could be outside the schools. They could be outside. I mean, so, so all was- it took was someone of authority to be like, no, you're not going to be mean exactly. to these children. And <laughs> That's such a hard concept. And so if the policemen, even though they weren't allowed in school, if they could have like escorted them up to the front door, it would have, we could have avoided all of this. All of this drama. So 22 soldiers ended up successfully escorting all of the students into Central High School. And by all of them, I mean all nine of the black students. (laughs) Just nine of them. Nine. They were, I mean, even though it took 22 soldiers. Be nothing wrong with integrating a whole school together. This is all over nine students. <laughs> I know, right? And probably Little Rock's a like major city. Yeah, probably a school of hundreds and hundreds of students. Nine. Nine. 
student. It took 22 men to like escort them in. And so after the day of school went, you know, it went how it went. They, they attended school that day. And at the end of the day, the students were escorted to Daisy's house where she asked them how their day was and made sure that they were okay. And this was a regular thing that she did that I found really inspiring is that she would every day after school have like a therapy session. And oh, be like, that's very ahead of her time. Yeah. Tell me about your day. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a little misty. Uh-huh. But tell no, me about me. your day. What happened to you? Were you hurt? What Were you they, bullied? Were you what bullied? did they say? Wanted them all to gather together and tell their stories. Very like ahead of her time. a group therapy type thing? Yeah, that's, totally. It's beautiful. And so... <clears throat> that was very th- ahead of her time to know that... This is going to be a stressful situation for them. Getting them into the school is only half the battle. Yeah. Yeah. It's dealing with the emotional distress Mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm -hmm. So some of the kids in the first group therapy session said, you know what? Some of the white students invited me to have lunch with them. Some were, some of the white students were like, eh, I could care less either way. And then they said only a, f- a handful of them were, like, really hostile towards Most us. Most of them just wanted to pass history or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's like what we're I- just all trying to pass geometry. Yeah, all on the same page, bitch. <laughs> So on October 31st, 1957, the Little Rock City Council ordered that the NAACP officials should be arrested, specifically mentioning Daisy. Of course. Because guess what? They weren't reporting their names and their incomes to anybody because they didn't want to get killed. Yeah. But they they, they sent out an arrest warrant for them. And of okay. course, Daisy's like, all right. I'm going to surrender. There's yeah. no point, you know. So they all surrender themselves, turn over all their financial records, and the newspapers are writing out and calling that city council out, honey. They're Good. like, no, this is wrong. They should not be arresting the advocates for fucking civil rights. They're like, oh, so this mob beating up a bunch of black people is totally cool, but not turning over your financial records makes you get arrested? <sighs> like, what the fuck? So Daisy was convicted of the crime and they appealed that all the way up to the supreme court of the united states and guess who won bitch daisy Daisy! yes queen nice so because daisy's name at the time was publicized as being one of these huge leaders of the naacp so was she i know celebrities so different now compared to then but was she like Oh, you're right. She was like a civil rights celebrity at the time. Okay. That really pushed her name. Whenever she did the move with the ministers, that really put her name. So maybe not household name, but for people that stayed on top of current events. Yes. She was known name. Yes. Yeah. And so now after all of this is done, she's, you know, been convicted of a crime. It's been overturned. So guess who tries to fucking target her? The KKK. This is where it gets sad, but we gotta go there, guys, because guess what? It fucking happened, and you can't change the fucking matter of the fact. So, she gets home after all of this, and the KKK sets a cross on fire in her front lawn. So cliche, KKK. Yeah, I know. Can't come up with Like, you got one move? Yeah. Well, no, they had several moves, and I was like... Okay, we get it. And you guys all have lighters. Of course, it fucking said, go back to Africa. I'm like, bitch, I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. I was born in Arkansas. Fucking it suck a dick. So, like that, go back to Africa. It's like, then you go back to Europe. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Let's all go back to where we came from. Because <laughs> we're all from not here. The Native Americans are just sitting on like their little plot of land that they're given, just being like, fuck all y'all. <laughs> finally, finally, they're gone. <laughs> so there was another instance where there was a cross burning and it was leaning against her house. Oh, no. And it set the front door on fire. Oh, no. Luckily, a fucking neighbor was like, holy shit, and ran over there and put the oh, fire out. Good. So on top of that... Again, rocks are being thrown at her house. People are shooting bullets into her home on the red. Like, holy fucking shit. Did they have children? No. Okay. Um, Not that that makes it any better. but (laughs) (laughs) Daisy ended up installing floodlights in her home to, like, make sure that everybody could be seen coming driving by her house. And Elsie and his friends would guard the house every night. That that ends that drama because I really like that one hit me hard is like how much they actually dealt like, with. Like it's like I accomplished this huge thing, but then you're gonna live the rest of your life. Yeah, you go down in history as an icon, as somebody that did something amazing, but you still live in Arkansas in the fifties and, and you have to live the rest of your life in fear. Scared for your life. Afraid you're going to die. But I'm sure not for a moment did she have an ounce of regret. No, she did not. She was like, I did what I did because I believed in this. I'm on the right side of history. Awesome. Good luck. I mean, it. it sucks that people, you know, tried to set her house on fire. But <laughs> what what a legend. I know. So there's a chapter. The name of the book is The Long Shadow of Little Rock. A memoir. You have to put that in there. If you get the chance, it's a very easy read. I, I mean, it, in terms of, <laughs> in terms of, it's not in terms of like it's kind of short, and but you probably don't mean like subject matter. No, subject matter wise, it's short. Daisy's a obviously a fantastic writer, but straightforward to the point. Straightforward. She but she when gets we you say easy read, we probably don't mean like. Happy uh, rainbows and butterflies, yay! No, it's like historical drama, like a lot of racist shit happening. But the way that she writes it and the way that she words it is really well. But there's this chapter in her autobiography that, if you do decide to pick up the book, it is the most heartwarming one and sad. But it covers the lives of each of the nine children and tells like little snippets of what happened to them. We really just don't have time to go into that. Yeah. But but it sounds like it was my favorite chapter. Queen Daisy. Yeah, exactly. She might not be a queen, but she is a queen to us. So we're gonna remember Governor Falbus. Ugh. I know Governor Fatass. <laughs> I hate Big Daddy Governor. This asshat was still fucking at it. He was. He ends up passing all these laws that said the what gov- men really hate losing. Their yeah, status. they do. And he was like, okay. I'm the governor. I can close any school district that I want. So he's, he closes Central High School. He closes all these other high schools that are integrating. And why? He gives this fucking racist gem of a quote. And this one, when I read it in the book, I was like boiling mad. He says, if Daisy Bates would find an honest job and go to work. And if the U.S. Supreme Court would keep its cotton picking hands... Off the Little Rock School Board's affairs, we could open up Little Rock schools again. Rage! Okay, so if you're not from the United States or just don't even know that much history about slavery in the United States, had lots and lots of jobs, but a big thing in the South was that cotton pickers at Mm -hmm. cotton plantations 
So to use that term, cotton picking, is there's no mincing words there. No. There's no doubt about what they're referring to. Mm-hmm. There, he is making a direct reference to slavery. Direct. Like, I was just like... He may have come right out and been like, I don't like black people. They used to be slaves and I don't want them in the schools. He should have. He should have just fucking said that. I mean, there was... I was like, I literally... It makes me so mad. At that point, I had to put the book down. So it's not an easy read. Take a lap. It's not an easy read. (laughs) She's very mad at these racist ass... But at the same point, I took a walk and got some exercise. Uh, But guess what? The Supreme Court hears this quote and is like, guess what, motherfucker? All these laws that you just tried to enact being racist... Mm -hmm. All unconstitutional. Yeah. Fuck the fuck off. So, Daisy, of course, is still fucking targeted. Of course. Um, And she probably was for the rest of her life. Yeah. She literally has a bomb that's thrown into her house. Cool. And explodes. Cool, 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 cool. And she's fucking done with this shit. Yeah. She's like, all right, I'm going to email the attorney general. Except Telegram. (laughs) And she's like, okay, my life's in jeopardy. You should do something about it. And of course, the 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 attorney general's like, Sorry, that's a state crime, not a federal one. I can't do anything about it. She's like, you motherfuckers. And at this point, Daisy's been such an advocate. She's lost the majority of her support from her advertisers because it's just been so much it's, drama. It's blown up. And the only yeah. people, literally. No, I did not do that on purpose. No, but a lot of the advertisers that her, her white allies were being bullied themselves and were being mistreated themselves and so they had to withdraw because they were like fun not fun fact but fact is is that a lot of these white allies that she had committed suicide later because they were just they were so hounded they were hounded they didn't have any money they didn't have any money they didn't have any so they were treated like minorities exactly yeah exactly okay 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 so she loses all this support and they literally can't pay the bills anymore for the arkansas state press and so they have to close the doors you know and many of the advertisers were threatened themselves with bombings and violence and being killed oh my yeah right and they receive a letter, like, Daisy receives a letter that's like, hey, you gotta close your doors. Yeah. It's fucking over. So they announced to the rest of the workers, this is, like, the last week, a few of the office workers are like, don't pay us. This, that's enough. We'll work pro bono. Yeah, we've done, yeah. we've done such great work here. We don't care. One of the other employees was like, I'll do two jobs don't pay me because we're what we're doing is right here it's amazing so on october 29th 1959 at 5 p.m the state the arkansas state press officially closed its doors so like i was saying one of the chapters is dedicated to the children one of the chapters is dedicated to the white people and one of the chapters about the white people there's a police chief he ended up killing himself and he shot, he shot his wife first and then killed himself. He did a murder-suicide. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the advocates for... I'm very conflicted on how I feel about he this person. He was driven crazy by it. Okay. So it was something... And or, we prob- or... We don't know. It could also be maybe some of the KKK people killed him and made it look like a Or maybe suicide. he had a pre-existing condition that we also don't understand. Yeah, it was exactly. The 50s. So yeah. we don't understand. Yeah. But... Of course, the whole city mourns because the chief of police is dead. And Daisy's sitting there watching everybody crying. And she thought this in her head. And it's a great fucking quote. She was said, weep my city. Maybe the tears will wash away your shame. <gasps> oh. Truth. This woman is so poignant. So fucking poignant. I can think of 
so many things going on right now where that's relevant. Weep, my city. Maybe the tears will wash away your shame. So after the Little Rock incident, Daisy and Elsie were obviously offered a lot of prestigious jobs. They turned them all down. Did they stay in Little Rock? Getting it. Okay. MLK Jr. invited her to speak on Women's Day because he respected her tenacity and courage and because he said something along the lines of, quote, she was always in the thick of the battle. She was always a warrior. Yeah. So she deserves She's a fucking woman of color who is going to fucking fight. Oh, this woman is the Boudicca of the civil rights (laughs) movement. A hundy. So after all of this, Daisy and Elsie end up moving to Washington, D.C. And she works for the Democratic National Committee. She served in Lyndon B. Johnson's administration working on anti-poverty programs. Sadly, she suffered a stroke in 1965 and had to return to Little Rock. <clears throat> she ended up reviving the Arkansas, State's, Arkansas State Press in 1984 after her husband died. Oh, really? She revived it. She was <clears throat> 84, born in 1914, so she was 70? Get it, bitch. Yes, get it, bitch. And she ended up living a pretty long life until 1999 oh, was when man. she died. So, I mean, she lived a healthy I mean, yeah, something she, years. Yeah, yeah, that's, damn. So, uh, to kind of sum her up, some of her accomplishments at the end of her life, uh, and, you know, besides, all of her life. Besides what we've already discussed. <laughs> yeah, she served on the NAACP's national board from 1957 to 1970. She was selected as the Associated Press's Woman of the Year in 1957. She was the only female speaker at the March on Washington in August 28, 1963. You know that one. In 2001, the Arkansas legislator enacted a provision that recognizes the third Monday in February as Daisy Getson Bates Day. Nice! So it was actually this last Monday. Oh! That was Daisy Bates Day. Oh! Yes. It's consequently President's Day as well. But, <laughs> but, it's We're going to call it Daisy Bates Day. It's Daisy Bates Day. And she was awarded the Congressional Gold Medal posthumously this year. Yeah. yeah. Awarded by Bill Clinton on November 1999. Nice. So let's give a cheers to a badass warrior woman who fought with her fucking pen. Cheers to you, Daisy. Cheers, Daisy. That's amazing. She, what a life. What, what a woman. What a woman. Somebody that nobody ever didn't really know. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Love ya. Mwah.